0: So we asked for some parking ticket stories on yesterday's pod after I got a parking ticket, tried to challenge it, and it didn't work out in my favour. We did. And we got some through. And I'm really sorry, everyone, but the, the, best, the best parking ticket story does go to my best friend, Sarah. She lives in Australia. She's a newsable listener. Um, she is currently paying off. Well, no, she won't reveal the exact amount she's had to pay off, but at the moment it's 1500 Aussie dollars. It's been higher, but as, as she's paid it off, it's now got down, in inverted commas, to
1: 1500 $1,500 of parking fines.
0: This is where it's at as well. It was once higher, and she's got... Hang on, she sent in a um, a voice note about her most recent parking ticket. Listen to this.
2: So I pulled in prime parking position, went in, got the bar me. Eleven minutes in total. I was away from the car. I came back and I had a fine of two hundred and eighty-five dollars, and ah, uh, it's quite alarming <laughs> and very upsetting. Um, I was very hungry, and it was the worst bun me I've ever had.
0: It's also going to be the most expensive bun me I think. <laughs>
1: Gee, that's a steep parking. They don't play around in Aussie, do they?
0: They ain't messing around. They got killer spiders and killer parking wardens. (laughs) Anyway, that's a great parking ticket story. (laughs)
1: Anyway, let's get to the show after that uh, tale of woe, rhyming accidentally. Kia ora, this is Newsable. I'm Emil.
0: And I'm Imogen. And this is what's worth talking about the American zoo that's angered thousands of New Zealanders over how it's treating one of our native birds.
1: Economists are expecting another cash rate hike later today. It's like a game of reverse limbo. How high can it go?
0: We're checking in on the coroner's inquest into the unexplained disappearance of a young boy and his stepdad and just a warning, the details in this story are pretty distressing.
1: And finally TikTok is suing the US state that plans to ban it.
0: We've got all that coming up in a moment here on Newsable.
2: Newsable takes time and resources to produce. Please support our mahi and visit stuff.co.nz support.
0: footage of a kiwi at Miami Zoo in the US has quite a few New Zealanders up in arms. 3,000 odd New Zealanders to be precise after a video of one of our native birds kept at the zoo went viral.
1: Yeah, the video shows visitors petting and stroking a kiwi named Paora while it's under quite intense artificial lights. Paorda was loaned to Miami Zoo by the Smithsonian's National Zoo and Biology Institute in Virginia, which has been hatching kiwi in the USA, interestingly. Since 1975.
0: Well, overnight, the zoo has responded to criticism of its treatment of powder and staffs Ryan Anderson is with us because he's been covering all of this. Uh, morning, Ryan.
3: Morning, yeah. Look, 4 a.m. this morning, uh, the news came in. So, yeah, it looks like they've been, um, you know, taking some serious look at, you know, how they've been treating the kiwi. That they, they, they've heard the feedback, um, and they're making some changes.
0: What are they changing?
3: so effective immediately they're scrapping the experience you the public can't pay that 25 dollars a pop to go and touch the kiwi feed the kiwi have it under bright lights um they're moving the kiwi into a a dark hutch until they build out a full exhibit like you would see in new zealand zoos with the with the proper lighting um and yeah they're making a, a more natural environment for the kiwi which is incredible
0: and what has the zoo said about all of this as well?
3: Yeah, look, they were actually pretty, uh, you know, genuine in their apology, I, I thought. Um, they came out and said, look, the experience was sort of uh, four times a week for five minutes, but that's, you know, four times a week for five minutes, far too long. Um, you know, they shouldn't have been doing it. They've, they've heard what Keys have said, and they said that they would feel the same had we been doing the same to something like a bald eagle. You know, they would be equally outraged, so... You know, they, they saw why people were upset and yeah, they, you know, they took it in their stride, I think.
0: Was there an acknowledgement of just total lack of understanding?
3: Yeah, there, there was a little bit. Um, you know, they, they did say that they have, you know, a, a care program in place, but it's obviously, you know, somewhere along the way has fallen through the cracks quite heavily because it's fairly obvious to New Zealand experts why this is wrong. Um so, yeah, it was, it was, I did, I guess they did plead ignorance a little bit. Um, but, you know, now they've said, you know, we're going to get some experts on, involved and and hopefully um, things will be different from this point forward.
0: Because what had the experts you've spoken to said about the way that we'd seen Paul would have been treated previously yeah, to this? Yeah.
3: So I spoke to a few people this morning who, you know, now that things have sort of um, developed a bit more, can speak. So I spoke to, say, the Kiwi this morning and, they basically said, um, from looking at the videos, the Kiwi is showing sort of very obvious signs of stress. Um, people think when a Kiwi closes its eyes, that it's relaxed and, you know, um, feeling sleepy. It's not, that's, that's how it sort of um, shows that it's stressed. Um, you know, it, it was being mistreated, mishandled, um, it was in the wrong environment and they're pretty happy now that something's going to be done. Um, they. They've, heard, they've seen the calls to bring the kiwi home, but they don't quite agree with that. They think, look, the zoo has sort of admitted their faults here. It looks like they're going to get things back on track. Um, and so I guess we just sort of have to see how that goes.
0: Ryan Anderson, thank you so much for your time.
3: Thank you. Well, the pain of the cost
1: of living is still biting and inflation is still sitting up there at 6.7%.
0: And today we have another announcement from the Reserve Bank over interest rates. At the moment, the official cash rate, or what's often referred to as the OCR, sits at 5.25%.
1: And so to preview what the Reserve Bank might do, we're joined now by the BNZ's Chief Economist, Mike Jones, for The Pulse. Kia ora, Mike. Kia ora, guys. So what are the expectations, first of all, of what might happen here? Little jump, big jump, nothing at all. What do you reckon?
4: Well, our expectation this time around is, is for a little jump, so quarter of a percentage point increase, which would take the official cash rate to 5.5%. So if we're right, and you know, of course there's no guarantees on that front, that would kind of be interesting in of itself because we've seen, I guess, the last three meetings, big jumps from the Reserve Bank. So if we got a smaller quarter of a percent move, it might suggest we're getting into that part of the cycle where... The bank's being slightly more surgical in terms of interest rates rather than the big mallet, so potentially closing in on a, on a peak.
0: Are increases going to continue until inflation goes down or levels out somewhere?
4: I mean, not necessarily. I think the Reserve Bank needs to be confident that it's getting the upper hand over inflation, so it needs to lift interest rates to a point where it's more confident that over a 12- to 18-month time horizon, inflation is going to fall back down to where it should be, which is one to three percent. So it's still quite away from where it is you know, at the moment in the high sixes. Mike, a lot of this is about
1: timing, isn't it? Like OCR adjustments relating to interest rates, it's not a direct thing. It's not like press a button and a light turns on. There is often, am I right in saying, it's sort of a lag between interest hikes and the actual impact on inflation?
4: That's right. And I think you've hit on I guess one of the points of disagreement amongst folk like me that try and predict where interest rates are going, it's, well, how long does it take for these interest rate increases that we've already seen to start impacting or dragging down inflation? Because the the lags are long, they're anywhere from 12 months to, to two or three years. They're also variable, so what you might have looked at last cycle doesn't necessarily hold this time around.
0: And what what sort of peak do you reckon we're looking at here? What are, what are your predictions on how high interest rates might go?
4: Well, our formal forecast is for 5.75 OCR, so that's you know, half a percentage point away. But there is quite a range in the market, I think, from anywhere from sort of 5.25 up to perhaps around 6. The other really uncertain factor at the moment is is the migration boom that's occurring and just how the Reserve Bank's thinking about that and in particular, the sustainability of that boom.
1: Well, we'll find out at two o'clock today. Uh, Mike Jones from BNC, thanks very much for your time. Always a pleasure. Thanks, guys.
0: If you don't have time to read the in-depth stories or you just prefer to listen instead, The Long Read From Stuff is the podcast for you. you.
1: Well, there have been some developments in the coroner's ongoing inquest into the disappearances of John Beaconridge and his 11-year-old stepson, Mike Zhao Beckinridge back in 2015.
0: We chatted about this on the show on Monday morning. The pair went missing in a remote part of Southland and the wreckage of a car belonging to John was found in the ocean beneath a cliff, but their bodies were never found stuff. Shannon Redstill has been covering the proceedings and joins us now. Kia ora, Shannon. Kia ora. So what new information have we learnt so far?
2: A lot, actually. There was a huge information drop in the first two days of the trial. We heard from the counsel assisting the coroner a bunch of new evidence, talking about some of the measurements as to when the car was potentially driving off the cliff and when it broke. Some of the items that were found washed up on the beach in the day after we last heard from John and Mike, and maybe most interestingly, we have been read text messages and emails from the pair to each other, but also from Mike and John to various uh, friends of theirs and also to Mike's mother. And they're the last known evidence that the pair were alive.
1: So, Shannon, I mean, when you look at the details that have come out, how does this affect the overall picture and the information, I suppose, that's in the public sphere now?
2: There's essentially just much more information. I think people always had this understanding that a boy was taken from his school and then he went missing with his stepfather. They obviously stayed somewhere for several days and then a week to 10 days later the car was found in the ocean. We are now getting more colours and more detail of exactly what that picture looked like, what some of the drivers were behind Mike being picked up from his school, and from his stepfather. There is a lot to do with a family court dispute, which we can't talk about because family court has statutory suppression in it. But... Fair to say that Mike had an extremely close relationship with his stepfather, that the KC outlined this and said that Mike actually called John Beckhamridge his dad, even though that wasn't his birth father, and that there were secret emails, which we've heard from, which really outlined just how desperate Mike was to be reunited with his stepfather. And then also he was talking about how, sort of seemed to allude to previous conversations that the pair had said together, uh, remember You said you will kill, well, me too, and then find me, Dad, and you said we can do that thing. And we don't know what that thing refers to, but given the context of everything else that we've heard in the last two days, it's fair to say that that was probably relatively dark.
0: Who else are we expecting to hear from in the coming days at this inquest?
2: Well the coroner is tasked with deciding whether the pair are likely alive or likely dead and one person who leans on the side of them being likely alive is a woman who says that she saw what she believed was the pair overseas. We're going to hear from her today. Uh, There were a number of reported sightings of a younger Asian man with an older Caucasian man but this woman who said she saw them on Gilly Island is certainly the account that police took most seriously.
1: Really interesting stuff. Shannon Redstall, I'm sure we'll check in with you later this week. Thanks for your time.
2: No dramas. Thanks, guys.
1: And you can find details of who to call if you would like help or to talk to someone on the Newsable webpage at newsable.co.nz.
0: Emil, I asked you to find something interesting about the US state of Montana earlier today. How'd you get on?
1: Uh, the biggest snowflake ever recorded was found in Montana. It was 38 centimetres in diameter. 38
0: centimetres. Okay, that's, um. I didn't expect much, but that's actually quite good. Um, but it's still not exactly what I was uh, thinking you'd come up with. Because okay. that snowflake is in big trouble. It's no longer the most interesting thing about Montana.
1: Right. It's been superseded.
0: It has been superseded. Because Montana recently announced it would be the first US state to ban TikTok.
1: Oh, Oh, mm.
0: lots of, yeah. Mm. Wow, it's happened. Tell me more. So, different countries and states around the world are always talking the talk on this one, right? The narrative of TikTok's bad. It's been accused of harvesting data, selling it to other places. It's owned by China, and many Western countries are skeptical about China, yada, yada, yada. Uh, so, earlier this week, Montana decided to not only talk the talk, but walk the walk. And its Republican governor, Greg Gianforte, signed a sweeping ban of the social media app into law. It will take effect from January 1st next year and means Google and Apple app stores would be heavily fined if they let users in that US state download the app. The Republican governor said the reason for the ban was to protect Montanans from Chinese Communist Party surveillance. Here's the rub, though. If you already have it downloaded, you don't have to delete it. So you can still use it. So it's not as sweeping a ban as it could be. It's uh, just no new downloads. So right, it's sinking lid policy.
1: Okay. <laughs> right, that makes perfect sense, doesn't it? Okay, presumably TikTok has been very gracious and magnanimous about this. You know, no hard feelings, shake hands, all the best for the future, that kind of thing.
0: Mm. Um, not quite. It's uh, it's decided to soothe the state of Montana instead.
1: Right. In in the beast American tradition.
0: Just really leaning in uh, to to America there. TikTok claims this is a violation of the First Amendment. So there you go. <laughs> How much more <laughs> American do you want to be? Uh, they say it's a breach of the right of free speech and claims Montana is overstepping the mark by concerning itself with TikTok users' data and privacy, which TikTok says is the purview of the federal government,
1: not them. I love this. A, a Chinese company suing an American state for not upholding the American Constitution. <laughs> no. um, what are what, what you reckon? What is this likely to happen? Go through?
0: Well, experts in the area seem to think it's going to be way too hard to actually eventuate and is really more posturing than anything else. But it's maybe more useful to think of this as like an opening salvo. Mm. As I said, lots of places have talked about banning TikTok. Montana's actually gone ahead and tried to do so. So who knows? Maybe other places will follow suit. And um, well, TikTok will probably sue them as well. I think
4: you're conflating a whole bunch of issues.
0: You don't want to be held to account well, no, on I, what, rising child no,
4: abuse numbers. You can
3: manipulate crime
4: statistics. I, I promised I wouldn't have a tattoo about to journalism. Hanging
0: to the National Party's no. tagline there, right, that what, I think that... it would be a resignation offence. If I didn't
1: deliver tax reduction. Yeah, yeah I'm not worried about it at all. Nothing if there. On. That sits with you perfectly that's fine. What we're, that's what we're focused on.
0: Whatever happens in politics, the weird, the wonderful, the important, the thought-provoking, we got you. Listen to Tova wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Imogen, if you were to be offered the job of spy, and I know that you are applying, <laughs> <laughs> to, um, you know, I like congratulations. We love... So, have you join our spy service. What would be like your condition, your deal breaker thing, the the the, the perk that you would want added into your contract?
0: Well, you know how James Bond is, is licensed to kill? Yeah. I think I'd like just like a little driver's license that says that. <laughs> right. Just to complete the picture. Just like, this is my license
1: So, you can, so you can pop someone and then the police come along and then you're like, no, no, no hold like, on, sorry. let just get my... Check it. And then, oh, <laughs> get my license Oh out. shit, I leave my wallet at home. I leave my licence to kill. There yeah,
0: they would we. yeah, just, like, just fulfil all your spy dreams, Okay, no?
1: yeah. Um, well, the reason I ask you that is um, that in Germany, they're experiencing a, a whole bunch of would-be spies, spies in training or recently graduated spies, asking to work from home. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what? <laughs> Surely that's not possible. I don't understand. Yeah. I don't get it. Well, I mean,
1: I guess... This raises the question, how much do we know about what spies actually do?
0: Yeah, but what about all the dead drops and the exchanging briefcases, saving the world? You're not going to be doing that from your spare room.
1: But that's not what they do all the time, right? Like, there must be a decent amount of paperwork <laughs> involved in being a spy.
0: Okay, remember just the other day we talked about the spy that left us documents in a pub.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: Just Imagine if they were a flatting spy. Yeah. You know, on Friday night drinks, oops, I accidentally need to take my spy documents off the coffee table. Before exactly.
1: You yeah. put your
0: Peroni on it.
1: Especially if you've got like a shared office at the flat, right? Like Yeah, not you, good. You want to be dog? about what
0: Sorry, you... dog ate that top secret file.
1: Yeah, the dog <laughs> ate the missile code. Um yeah, no, I, I mean, these aren't things that you, you can imagine someone doing from home. But, uh, you know, flexible working is is a big thing at the moment, mm. I suppose.
0: I actually think good on them. Everyone else gets to work from home every so often, if not all the time. So why why not? The spies. Yeah, actually, I've, I've come full 180 on this. Yeah, ask you really ask can, for it. Yeah. <laughs> why not? Yeah. Try your
1: luck. Good on you. um, and, and interestingly, um, the UK's intelligence service, Uh, promises flexible working hours on its careers website and the CIA is reportedly looking into whether or not working from home is a viable option for its employees as well. So it's catching on.
0: I love the idea of someone in full spy kit Mm. sitting at a desk at home.
1: Well, I think that's the question. If James Bond was working from home, would he wear a suit or would he be in his dressing gown, do you reckon?
0: Full suit. (laughs) On that note, that's Newsable for today. I'm Imogen Wells.
1: And I'm Emil Donovan. If you enjoyed this episode, please follow us on your favourite podcast player and leave us a rating and a review. It helps other listeners to discover the show and we just really appreciate the ego boost.
0: Also, give us a follow on social media to stay up to date on new episodes and behind-the-scenes content. You can find us on TikTok
2: and Insta. We're just at NewsableNZ.